Well, thank you, Rachel and music folks and everyone making worship possible today. And thank you for being here. Thank you for um, being part of this special day in the life of our young people and in the life of our church. We continue to be in John and that scripture that Rachel just read about being children of God. I know you've heard it a number of times, and honestly, I hope you've memorized it by now. Some people want me to say, well, we heard that before. Good, good. I hope you actually memorized it because it's a great scripture verse, and it really is foundational for what we're doing today in confirmation. We are also in John chapter 21, and we started this uh, third resurrection appearance of Jesus a couple weeks ago. Then we were in Mother's Day, and I want to return to it, but I want to focus on the latter part, but we're going to read the whole story because it is so beautiful and so profound. Afterward, which is after Jesus' resurrection, Jesus appeared again to his disciples by the Sea of Galilee. It happened this way. Simon Peter, Thomas, also known as Didymus, Nathaniel from Cana in Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and two other disciples were together. I'm going out to fish, Simon Peter told them, and they said, we'll go with you. So they went out and got into the boat, but that night they caught nothing. Early in the morning, Jesus stood on the shore, but disciples did not realize that it was Jesus. He called out to them, friends, have you any fish? No, they answered. He said, throw your net on the right side of the boat and you'll find some. When they did, they were unable to haul the net in because of the large number of fish. Then the disciple whom Jesus loved said to Peter, it is the Lord. As soon as Simon Peter heard him say, it is the Lord, he wrapped his outer garment around him and jumped into the water. The other disciples followed in the boat, towing the net full of fish, for they were not far from shore, about a hundred yards. When they landed, they saw a fire of burning coals there with fish on it and some bread. Jesus said to them, bring some of the fish you have just caught. So Simon Peter climbed back into the boat and dragged the net ashore. It was full of large fish, 153, but even with so many, the net was not torn. And Jesus said to them, come and have breakfast. None of the disciples dared ask him, who are you? They knew it was the Lord. Jesus said, Jesus came, took bread and gave it to them and did the same with the fish. This was now the third time Jesus appeared to his disciples after he was raised from the dead. When they had finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, he said, you know that I love you. And Jesus said, feed my lambs. Again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He answered, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And Jesus said, take care of my sheep. The third time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him the third time, do you love me? He said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. And Jesus said, feed my sheep. Very truly, I tell you, when you were younger, you dressed yourself and went where you wanted. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and someone else will dress you and lead you where you do not want to go. Jesus said this to indicate the kind of death by which Peter would glorify God. Then he said to him, follow me. Peter turned and saw the disciple whom Jesus loved was following them. When Peter saw him, he asked, Lord, what about him? Jesus answered, if I want him to remain alive until I return, what is that to you? You must follow me. This is the disciple who testifies to these things and who wrote them down. We know that his testimony is true. Jesus did many other things as well. If every one of them was written down, I suppose that even the whole world will not have room for the books that would be written. May the Lord bless his word to our hearts and minds this morning. 
Well, we're looking at Jesus forgives and restores on this Confirmation Sunday and this beautiful story that I love. Well, I want to take you back for a moment to high school. For some of you, not long ago, some of you in high school, for some of you, well, let's just say it was a while ago. But do you remember your first love? Some of you may not even have had your first love, right? Uh, Some of the spouses nudging one another. Do you remember the first moment when you had to get up the nerve to share something on not just your mind but your heart, and you had to say, you felt you had to say, I love you. Oh, yeah. Remember that? All right. And you remember right after that that it seemed like an eternity. when your heart was racing and you were breathing and you were waiting for four words. Do you know what those four words are? I love you too. Wow. I want you to just remember for a moment that wonderful moment when you did hear those four words. My daughter and I love these, uh, you know, high school series and all that. So we, we watch those. And, and every time there's something like that, she's such a romantic. When it comes to this stuff, it's like, oh, oh my God, Dad, you know, it's coming, it's coming right now. <laughs> and then the wait for it for those four words in return. Wow. Wow. Why do I say that? Well, I say that because in the life of the church, there's a moment too, okay? And the moment when God whispers first, I love you, on the cross, of course, is, is back there, is baptism. When God says, regardless of you know, where you are, kind of in your station of life, I love you, that's the first word I want you to hear. It's, it's baptism. It's baptism. And where's the moment where we say, I love you too? Right there, right where they are this morning. I know there's other moments in life where you'll have a moment where you're down on your knees and, and um, you're saying, wow, You know, God has really touched me. And you do say, I love you back to God. But this is the time when they say it up front, in front of all of you. And uh, it's an important chapter in life. And for that reason, I think that this passage, which I chose a long time ago, is so important this morning, but it's important for all of us too. And so I invite you to walk back into the story. And you'll recall that Peter was chosen to be a great leader in the church, one of the inner three, the inner circle with Jesus that coming into the cross and Jesus' crucifixion before his arrest, and Jesus looked at Peter and he said, you're gonna betray me. And Peter said, not me, not, not me, Lord. I will never betray. Everybody else may leave you, but I'm gonna be right there by your side, even if I have to die. And Jesus looked at Peter and said, you'll betray me three times before the rooster crows, and Peter was so downcast for that moment. And I want to take you back because um, in Luke 22, there's a, there's a beautiful moment where Jesus is talking to Peter, and, and Jesus says this in Luke 21, 22, 31, Simon, Simon, Satan has asked to sift each of you like wheat, but I have pleaded in prayer for you, Simon, that your faith should not fail. So when you have repented and turned to me again, you will strengthen the brothers and the sisters. Wow. Jesus knew it was going to happen, but Jesus indicates maybe there's a purpose in that, that God can use even our sins and shortcomings. And Peter, 
Peter failed. Peter did deny Jesus not once but three times before the rooster crowed. And in the exuberance of that first Easter, when Peter saw Jesus, he was elated with all the other disciples. You know that he was. But then there was that haunting failure that was weighing on him. And we talked about that a little a couple weeks ago, but, you know, failure is so hard, particularly when you were told and warned about it, when other disciples, your best friends knew about it. And so in that moment, Peter does what I think a lot of us did after he celebrated Jesus' coming. Peter goes back to what he knew best, fishing. He was, after all, a fisherman. So he goes fishing, and his friends did what a lot of good friends will do, too, because they don't try to solve all the problems. They just say, we'll go fishing with you. We're going to be there with you, Peter. And they did. They went fishing, and they went fishing in this boat, which is a symbol of the church, right? A symbol of the church. And I said a couple weeks ago how that, that, that boat, John wants us to know, was full of different kinds of people. There's Nathaniel, who kind of believed easily. There's Thomas, who struggled with doubt. James and John, the sons of thunder, and of course there is Peter and John. It couldn't be more different disciples, even though they're both close to Jesus. And two people that we don't know, because John wants you to know that you're in the boat somewhere, and you should put someone opposite you in the boat, and remember that God welcomes all of us through the whole spectrum, and he doesn't ask us all to be the same, or to believe exactly the same, or to act the same. He calls us to follow him, and to care for the other people in the boat. And so... Jesus comes, and Jesus says, friends, have you caught any fish? And it's kind of slang. It's like dudes or bros in the Greek, honestly. And so they say no, and he says, cast it on the other side of the boat. They didn't even know it was Jesus. Made the morning sun sort of spilling through, uh, as it does sometimes, and blinding. And so they did, and they caught this amazing net full of fish. And then uh, John says, it's, it's, it's the Lord. And Peter just jumps in, as Peter does, and goes running there. And then they struggle <laughs> with this net full of fish, which is a symbol of the church at its best, as we are fishing for a fish. Remember that ichthus was a symbol, the Greek word for fish, different names for Christ, and has always been a symbol of the church. And so then Jesus does a beautiful thing. Jesus makes breakfast for them. Man, love that. Jesus puts on the kitchen apron, makes breakfast, because Jesus knows that even in our struggles, and these guys had, you know, not only Peter did Peter fail it, you know, Standing up for the Lord, he failed at fishing. Man, that's a bad night, right? But Jesus gives him food, right? Don't you love a friend who shows up with coffee and cinnamon buns when you've had a bad night? Anyone beside me? Man, that's a ministry. I'll tell you what, right? And when our women are downstairs cooking and our men too, you know, that's a, that's a ministry, right, when that happens. And so Jesus makes the, the fish and the bread for them. And, and, they, and it looks like this beautiful moment where... Um, you remember when Jesus fed the 5,000 and he used the little boy's fish and the loaves and he multiplied them and blessed them? And in this moment, Jesus is nourishing them. And sometimes we need the physical nurture before we get the spiritual, right? How's it in the Lord's Prayer? Give us this day our daily bread, right? Then forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors because sometimes we need that fellowship and we need that food. And then we move to the spiritual. And that's what Jesus does. So Jesus is in all this, is Jesus is forgiving Peter in this relationship kind of way, in this friendship kind of a way. And then there's also kind of the restoration that happens. Because after breakfast, in this beautiful moment, Jesus looks at Peter in front of all the other disciples and says, Simon, do you love me more than these? Meaning the fish, meaning the former life. And boy, that had to put Peter right in the spotlight, didn't it? 
And Peter, maybe he was caught off guard, maybe he wasn't, but there was that awkward thing that Peter was wrestling with, and Jesus names it. And Peter says, you know I love thee, Lord. And then Jesus says, feed my lambs, feed my little sheep. So not only is Peter forgiven, not only does Peter hear those three words, I love you, but Peter also hears a chance to give those four words back, I love you too. And Jesus, in that moment of restoration, says, feed my little ones, right? And then Jesus asks him again, Peter, do you love me? And Peter <laughs> says, okay, Lord, you know that I love you. And Jesus says, then feed my sheep. Kind of a progression in that sheep going from the little ones to the bigger ones, right, that we saw this morning. And then Jesus says again, Peter, do you love me? Those three words. And Peter says, you know I love you. I love you too. And Jesus says, then feed my sheep. Wow, as if for every time that Peter failed in denying the Lord, Jesus spoke an affirmation to hear him loved and return that love, and then an affirmation of his ministry, this sort of pastoral ministry. This is the good shepherd, the good shepherd that's inviting Peter to be part of being a shepherd as a pastor and as a disciple in that moment, and it's beautiful. There's something else that's maybe under the layer that you can't see in English, and uh, it's important in the Greek. And so the first time that Jesus asked Peter, do you love me, it was agape. And, you know, the deep, deep love of God, a love that is so sacred and divine, hardly used in the Greek language before the Christian faith. When Peter responds, Peter does not say agape. Peter says, yes, Lord, I love you, phylos, friendship love, not that deep love. Peter probably thought, that is too much of a step for me. That is too much of a stretch. That is just too sacred for me. After my failure, I can't say agape. I love you, phylos. I'm your, your friend. And Jesus, when Jesus looked at Peter again, Jesus again said, Peter, do you love me? Agape love. And Peter again did not respond with agape love. Peter said, I love you, phylos. He just had to feel like it was too much. The third time that Jesus asked Peter if he loved him, Jesus lowered the bar for Peter. Jesus said, Peter, do you love me? Phylos. And Peter said, yeah. I do. I can, I can do that one. I love you, Philos. And I think Jesus was just saying, hey, wherever you are in your struggles of life, I'm, I'm there beside you. And I know you're going to get this higher love, but right now it's just, just too much, just too much of a stretch. And I think for all of us, maybe you've been in a place where you have failed and fallen short, and you feel like, oh, hey, man, I cannot reach Jesus' love right now. Jesus is going to say, okay, I'm going to walk with you right where you are. I'm there. And I'm going to walk with you and stretch you. And Peter attained to the greatest love down the road. As Peter was the one who stood up on the day of Pentecost and preached the first sermon in the Christian church after Pentecost when the church was born. Peter did great things. In fact, Peter gave his testimony and was a martyr of the Christian church. He attained that kind of love. But Jesus said, I'm with you right now as a man you, where you are because I've been the whole journey and I'm going to forgive you. I'm going to walk with you. And I think for all of our folks here, you know, as our confirmants are going to come and share this statement of faith, 
It's so important to realize that we're not saying we're arrived, because I haven't arrived yet either, neither have any of you. We're saying this is an important moment of faith, and God is with us as we make that affirmation of faith today. And it's interesting because the word charcoal that's used around the fire there is only used one other place in the Gospel of John. And you know where that is? It's when Peter failed. When they were warming themselves around a charcoal fire, and Peter denied the Lord. And John wants us to know that Jesus cooked Peter breakfast around a charcoal fire because it was a do-over time for Peter. And if you need a do-over time, then God is there for you. And for confirmants, if you stumble and fall like most of us have, even after confirmation, God is still there for giving you, loving you, urging you on. If you feel there's moments where, hey, I'm not really at the agape level, then Jesus is going to stoop down for you and say, I'm there for Philo's love. I'm there wherever you are on the step of life. I'm going to close with a couple of stories before they come up here. And, and just one is the one that I love, which is a story sort of Tom Watson Sr., who's the CEO for 40 years at IBM. And uh, he once entrusted a young colleague, sort of junior manager, with a $10 million project that this junior manager won. And uh, the junior manager believed in it, but he failed and lost all $10 million. <laughs> Man. And that was, you know, way back when, when $10 million was quite a bit of money, still quite a bit of money, more than I could even imagine. He lost all of it. And uh, the junior manager got a note that Tom Watson Sr., the CEO of IBM, wanted to see him in his office. And so he penned his resignation letter because he knew the it was going to drop, you know, and uh, he just was so scared. And so he walked into Tom Watson Sr.'s office and laid his resignation letter down. He said, I know, I know what you want. There's my letter of resignation. And he says, I know you're going to fire me. And Tom Watson Sr. looked at him and said, fire you? He said, I can't afford to fire you. I just spent $10 million on your education. <laughs> Smart man. Smart man, Tom Watson Sr. And you know that that junior manager was better for it because he did learn from his mistakes and he learned loyalty to the company and he knew that, you know, we're all making some mistakes and, and he went on to be a great manager. I think Jesus looks at us sometimes and says, you know, like Peter, just like he said in Luke, hey, you're going to fail, but when you're done, I want you to come back and encourage the brothers and sisters because now you have a new role of ministry because you know what it's like to stumble and fall. And people are going to know that, and then they're going to come to you because they know you've made a mistake and know God's forgiveness. And so that's so important. So today, some people say, well, you know, when is the right moment for confirmation? Is it in sixth grade? And I always say, no, I don't think so. It's too young. Is it maybe, you know, when you're in college? And I think you kind of pass that point. I always like kind of, you know, around early in high school, right in there, sometimes late in middle school, where you're an adult. And we are affirming that you are adults and you have a moment here to declare uh, not just your adulthood, but your, your faith, your chance to say that I love you too. But more importantly than that even, as you share your statement of faith, each of you, I want you to know that we love you. And we don't expect you to be perfect. We expect you to be part of the family of faith. And we're not perfect, so we're so thankful that you're not. <laughs> okay? But God loves us and we're forgiven. And God forgives us and God restores us all along the journey of life that we see. And God will always be there from this life, even in the next life.